0: Well, this morning, I'm continuing to talk to you about this subject that's been in my heart for several weeks now, and I'll continue to talk to you about this until we get to Easter, but I hope that we will continue to be passionate. so I wanna talk to you today again about passion. And I'm gonna go back and revisit a subject that I talked to you about a few weeks ago. Today, I wanna talk to you about keeping your spiritual fervor and this is gonna be part two of keeping your spiritual fervor because a few weeks ago i talked to you about some things that we need to be aware of that can steal our passion from us can rob us of passion if we're not careful and i said that we if we're going to keep our passion keep our spiritual fervor then we're going to have to be aware of these things that pose a threat to our passion but i didn't talk to you about anything about how to keep your spiritual fervor or if you've lost your spiritual fervor how to regain that spiritual fervor or passion in your life and the passage that we've been working from is in romans chapter 12 verse 11 where the apostle paul warns us and says never be lacking in zeal enthusiasm energy intensity but keep your spiritual fervor stay hot to the boiling point keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord and so he's talking to us here about serving the Lord and how we are to serve him and we're to serve him with energy enthusiasm intensity we're to serve him with all our heart mind soul and strength But today I want to just share with you three simple things that I believe will help you to keep your spiritual fervor. And if you have lost your spiritual fervor, I think that these three things that I'm going to talk to you about today will help you to regain your spiritual fervor. And the first thing that every one of us in this room here today needs, that if we're going to keep our spiritual fervor or regain it is this and that is that we all need a sacred place now give me a moment to explain what I'm talking about there one thing that I appreciated about the psalmist David is that David was able to make a sacred place out of anywhere whether he was in a cave or whether he was in the desert or whether he was in the king's palace he was always able to make it into a sacred place. And every one of us needs a sacred place where we can meet with God, where we can talk to God and where God speaks to us. It's a place of remembrance. It's a place of reaffirmation. It's a place of redirection. For Jacob, his sacred place was Bethel. It was where he first met God where he first heard God speak to him he's fleeing from his brother Esau in fear and he ends up in a place where he has a dream and in his dream he sees a ladder that extends from earth to heaven and on that ladder are angels ascending and descending and at the top of that ladder is God and God is speaking to him and God does exactly what I just spoke to you a moment ago that he does in sacred places. The first thing that he did is he reminded Jacob of a covenant that he had made with his grandfather Abraham and with his father Isaac. And then he reaffirmed him and said that covenant was not just for Abraham and Isaac, but it's also a covenant for you, Jacob, that I'm going to bless you. And everywhere you put your foot, he said, I'm going to give that to you and then god redirected his life he then went to Paden iran where he would live for the next 20 or so years with his father-in-law laban and he would marry his daughters rachel and leah and after being there for an extended period of time god speaks to him and tells him it's now time for him to go back and face his brother but as he's on his way back he has another encounter with god where he wrestles with the lord and god Completely changes his nature because he says I will not let you go unless you bless me and God changed Jacob's nature and We see that by the changing of his name that he changed his name from Jacob to Israel But then we come to Genesis chapter 35 and in Genesis chapter 35 after all of that God speaks to Jacob again And here's what he says to him. He said to Jacob arise go up to bethel and dwell there now i want you to notice that's very important god didn't say i just want you to pass through bethel he didn't say i I just want you to visit bethel from time to time but he said i want you to go to bethel and i want you to dwell there that place where you first encountered me that place where i first spoke into your life And he says, and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And notice what Jacob does. Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you. Now we're seeing some of the things that Jacob had allowed to come into his life that had destroyed his passion. But he's about to get his passion back and he says before we go back to bethel he said we've got to put away the foreign gods that are among us and we've got to purify ourselves and we've got to change our garments and then he said let us arise and let us go up to bethel and he said i'm going to make an altar there to god who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way which i've gone and then when you go down to verse 9 even though it's not on the screen it says that Jacob went back to Bethel and the Lord met him there. Hallelujah. And not just that the Lord met him there, but that the Lord, I love this, once again spoke to him and Jacob reaffirmed the name of that place as Bethel because he said, it was there that I heard from the Lord. Amen. And you know, every one of us needs that sacred place where we can just get along with God And where we can just come clean with god about whatever it is that caused us to lose our passion because really the truth is that if we had never disconnected from that sacred place and if we had never disconnected from god we would have never lost our passion so I encourage you this morning if you have lost your passion if you've lost your spiritual fervor go back to that sacred place where you first met God go back to that sacred place where God first spoke to you about his plan and his purpose for your life and I can promise you that when you get in that sacred place along with God free of distractions that God is going to help you to remember some things that he spoke into your life pre- and God is going to reaffirm that he's not finished with you yet it doesn't matter what you've done it doesn't matter where you've been God still has a plan and God still has a purpose for your life and then he wants to redirect your life but we all need that sacred place where we meet with God to keep our spiritual fervor but not only do we need a sacred place we also need stilling times now this is hard for us it really is it's hard for us in our culture because we're just used to everything happening fast and quickly and everything moving fast and quickly and sometimes we get swept away in the current and our lives become so busy that it causes us to lose focus on the most important things in our lives Stilling times are those places of refreshment and rest and and, and whether you want to admit it or not you do need to take time periodically to just rest you do need to take time periodically just to be refreshed you do need to take time periodically for recreation recreation is the same thing as recreation to recreate yourself, for God to recreate that purpose and plan and, and, and your identity in your life, those stilling places. You see, David, I believe this is how David survived his life and everything that he faced in his life because he tells us in psalm chapter 23 he says the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures. sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do is just lie down in green pastures and then he says he leads me what beside the still waters and what does he do in green pastures and still waters he restores my soul notice this is a weariness that David is talking about that goes deeper than just physical weariness if you're physically physically weary you can take a vacation for a couple of weeks and get refreshed we're talking about a weariness that goes deeper than just physical we're talking about a weariness that touches our soul Soul and touches our spirit and that's why Paul would say in Galatians 6 he would say do not grow weary in doing good because it's easy to grow weary and the enemy tries to weary us because he knows the moment that he can get us weary he can get us thinking about quitting And He can get us thinking about throwing in the towel. And He can get us thinking about giving up. That's why we need still places, green pastures, and still waters where we come before the Lord and He restores our soul. We need sacred places. We need still times. But then, a third thing that we need is every one of us in this room, whether we admit it or not, we need some special friends. And I want to just take a moment here and just slow down and talk to you a little bit about the importance of special friends. And I almost said sanctified friends because you need some special sanctified friends in your life. For Moses, those friends would have been people like Joshua, Aaron, and Hur that when his arms got weary in intercession, that Aaron and her, one got on one side and one on the other, and they held up his arms so that he could continue to intercede for the nation of Israel so that they could be victorious in battle. For the apostle Paul, he had a number of special friends, but one in particular that you don't hear much about, a guy by the name of Onesiphorus. There's a name for your next son. Onesiphorus. And when he spoke about Onesiphorus, here's what he said. He said, oftentimes he has refreshed me. How many of you know we need some friends in our lives who refresh us? That God sends into our lives to refresh us. Let let me just talk to you about some special friends that you need, that I need, that all of us need in our lives. If we're going to keep our spiritual fervor or if we've lost it, these people can help us to regain our spiritual fervor first of all every one of us in this room here today we need a mentor every one of us needs a mentor and let me tell you what a mentor does a mentor is somebody who ushers us into opportunity and possibility a mentor is somebody I believe that God gives insight about his purpose and his plan for our lives so that they can help us understand why we are in the kingdom for such a time as this when I talk or when I think about a mentoring relationship in scripture one that came to my mind this past week that we don't think about much is that relationship between Mordecai and Esther and how that God had supernaturally brought Esther into the king's palace Listen, she had won a beauty contest. And as a result of winning the beauty contest, she got to marry the king. And she moved into the king's palace. But there was a servant in the king by the name of Haman. He was a Hitler type. He wanted to exterminate all of the Jews. And so when Mordecai heard about how that Haman had Literally tricked the king into signing an edict or a law that would cause all the Jewish people to lose their lives The Bible says that Mordecai began to pray and he began to fast and he sent a message to Esther who was living in the palace and here's what he sent to her he said do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews in other words don't think that just because you live in the king's palace and that you're married to the king that that you will escape what he has signed into law you're a Jew and you're going to die just like the rest of us if you don't do something and then he says for if you remain completely silent at this time he said relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place but you in your father's house Will perish. But then he makes this statement: Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this? You see, a mentor is able to see the purpose for which God has placed you into the kingdom for such a time as this. And they're able to inspire you into action. They're able to ignite a passion for you to take action. And every one of us in this room here today, we need that kind of a friend in our lives. We need a mentor who sees things about us that we don't even see about ourselves. And they're able to reach into our potential and pull it out and develop those gifts and talents and abilities and callings and purposes that God has placed within us. We all need a mentor. Now, I know that not everybody here today thinks they need these friends. Listen, you need them whether you want them or not if you're going to keep spiritual fervor. Or regain the fervor that you once had. Here's a second kind of friend every one of us needs. Every one of us needs an affirmer. And let me tell you what an affirmer does an affirmer recognizes who you have become and what you are doing, and they come along beside you and they add value to that. We see an example of that with Jesus at his baptism. And after Jesus has been baptized and he comes out of the water this is so awesome to me the heavens open up and father God speaks a word of affirmation over his son and it says this it says then a voice came from heaven that said you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased boy isn't it great to have those kind of people in your life Now, when they step into your life you feel like you could change the world you feel like you could do anything because they've affirmed you they've added value to your identity they've added value to your purpose to your calling in life the Apostle Paul was great at that he had a he had a buddy by the name he had some he had some friends with some weird names I'm just gonna tell you now Onesiphorus and then he had another friend called Epaphroditus yeah Epaphroditus and, and, and these were partners in ministry with the Apostle Paul. And he sends Epaphroditus to the church in Philippi. And he says when he gets there, he said, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to receive him in the Lord with great joy. And notice what he says, honor people like him. You need to, you need to honor those affirmers in your lives. Those people who will do for you what nobody else will do for you he said honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ he risked his life to make up for the help that you yourselves could not give him he's publicly affirming Epaphroditus and we all need that kind of person in our lives we need an affirmer God knows we've got enough and forgive me for making up a term this morning but God knows we've got enough defirmers in our lives amen that instead of feeling inflated and when i say inflated i don't mean in a negative way but feeling like you know courage has been uh, been put within us and 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 discipline and endurance and inspiration those kind of things somebody has 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 deposited within us instead of feeling that way sometimes we get around people and we leave and we feel totally drained and we feel empty people who come into our lives that tell us everything we can't do and everything that we cannot be God help us, we don't need any more defirmers in our lives. Amen. We need some affirmers. Look at your neighbor and say, "I need some affirmation in my life." <laughs> but there, there's a third friend that we need, and I know you ain't going to like this friend. But every one of us need a rebuker. Now, I would highly recommend that the rebuker not be your spouse. It don't work. I'm just telling you. Got a little experience under my belt. But we all need a rebuker in our lives. We all need that person in our lives that loves us enough to speak the truth to us. And one reason why we don't like rebukers is because Rebukers when they speak sometimes it hurts and They leave bruises But but this is perhaps the most important person in your life as it relates to Keeping your spiritual fervor or regaining your spiritual fervor Now now the problem of the rebuker is twofold first of all it's hard to find somebody who will speak the truth to you Even when they know it's gonna hurt and then secondly it's hard to find people who want to hear the truth even when they know it's gonna hurt even when they know it's painful but every one of us need a rebuker Jesus wasn't just a mentor and an affirmer to his disciples he was also a rebuker to his disciples you remember the Apostle Peter he was on the rebuke side of Jesus more than once Matter of fact, when he tried to get in Jesus' way one day, and Jesus was talking about how that he was going to have to go to the cross and give his life, Peter stepped in the way and said, No, Lord, I'm not going to let you do it. I'm not going to let you go. And Jesus looked at him and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. That, that's pretty rebuke right there. If you haven't ever heard a rebuke before, that's that's one right there. Now you understand it, it wasn't Peter, it was the Spirit. That was working through Peter that Jesus was rebuking that's why he said get behind me Satan a rebuke but we all need that rebuker in our lives Paul was that to a young pastor by the name of Timothy look at what Proverbs chapter 27 verses 5 and 6 says it says that an open rebuke is better than hidden love Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Somebody needs to write that passage of Scripture down, take it home and memorize it. Because you think people who won't tell you the truth are your friends. But people who will not speak the truth to you with a loving heart, even though they know it's going to be painful, people who will not speak the truth to you, listen to me, they are not your friend. They are your enemy. They are not helping you. They are hurting you. That's why it's tough to have rebukers in our life, but Jesus was a rebuker. The apostle Paul was a rebuker to the young pastor Timothy when he saw that Timothy was being intimidated because of his age and he felt like he was too young to rebuke the older folks in the church, especially the older men who were spiritually lazy and the older men who were teaching false doctrine and Timothy, or Paul, Timothy was intimidated because of his age and he wouldn't do anything about it. And so Paul speaks to him in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and he says, I remind you, You need to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, Timothy, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And then he tells him this in chapter 4. He says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. And he goes on and he says, preach the word, Timothy. Don't you be intimidated by anything or anybody preach the word be ready in season and out of season convince rebuke exhort with all long-suffering and teaching but he said you be watchful in all things endure afflictions Timothy don't quit just because things get difficult Timothy don't quit just because things get hard endure afflictions do the work of an evangelist fulfill your ministry boy thank God for rebukers in our life that when they see we're not doing what God has called us to do or we're doing something we're not supposed to do they'll step into our lives and love us enough to speak truth to us somebody give God a praise for the rebukers in your life Amen. there's a fourth kind of friend that every one of us need we need an intercessor we need somebody that will take the responsibility of holding us up in prayer and again I use Jesus an example of this with the Apostle Peter because he approaches Peter and he says Simon Simon indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat but notice what Jesus said but I have prayed for you can I just remind everybody in this room here today that Jesus Ever lives to make intercession for you? That today Jesus is praying for you? And he told Peter, he said, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. I am so thankful for those intercessors in my life that God has placed in my life that have taken on the responsibility to hold me up in prayer because I'm telling you, I know without a doubt that it was those prayers that has gotten me through some really difficult seasons of my life. And it's those prayers that have helped to rekindle passion that I had lost for the call that God had upon my life. Thank God for intercessors. But here's another friend that every one of us needs we all need a pastor now listen to me I'm not talking about an ordained minister I'm talking about a pastor that when you're going through difficult times they come along beside you and they help you bring understanding out of the chaos of your lives The Apostle Paul, we see him standing in that role of a pastor in Acts chapter 27. And I love love this passage of Scripture because Paul has been arrested and he's being shipped by boat to Rome where he's going to be standing before Caesar and he's going to be tried before Caesar. Now get this, Paul had always wanted to go to Rome to preach the gospel, but he didn't expect to go there this way. But he did pray, Lord, whatever it takes, ever, how you can get me to Rome to preach the gospel, get me there. And then when he gets to Rome and he's in prison, he said, you might be able to lock me up, but one thing you can't lock up, you can't lock up the word of God. Amen. <laughs> and he preached the word of God from a prison cell. But as he's on his journey, as they're taking him to Rome, they get into some bad weather and so they have to port in a, in a, on an island called Crete And Paul, knowing the season that it is and how that at that particular season, there would always be these nor'easters that would come up from out of nowhere. And he said, guys, I'm telling you, we better not leave this place. We better stay here until after winter. And then after winter, we'll we'll take this journey. Because if we leave right now, we're going to end up in a storm. And it may cost us our lives. But the next morning, they get up. The weather's pretty. They decide, I think we can make it so they load everything up and sure enough it's not long until they get into one of those nor'easters that Paul talked about and they are in a storm and that storm is tearing that ship apart and they've started throwing their stuff overboard and they've started fearing for their lives but then the pastor steps up and listen to what the pastor says I love what he says at first he says finally Paul called the crew together and said Men, you should have listened to me in the first place I like that Now listen, he's not just throwing it up in their face. That's not what he's doing here. He's using this as an opportunity for them to teach them about hearing from the Lord. And he said this, he said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. He said, if you would have, you would have avoided all this damage and loss. Oh, how much damage and loss could we have avoided in our life if we would have just listened to the pastor that God had put into our lives? But he said, there's going to be all this damage and loss because you didn't listen to me the first time. But then notice what he says. He said, but take courage. But take courage. He said, none of you are going to lose your lives. He said, even though the ship is going to go down. He said, he said now let's not, let, let's not pretend this is going to be something that it's not. He said, you're still going to lose everything you got except for your lives because you did something that you were not supposed to do. But he said... Take courage because you're not going to lose your lives even though the ship will go down. He said, for last night, an angel of the God of whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me oh glory to god and said paul don't be afraid for you will surely stand trial before caesar what's more god in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you you better be thankful for the sanctified people on your boat sometimes you better be thankful for the praying people on your boat amen you better be thankful for those people who have passion for God that's on your boat because it could be them that's getting you to your destination safely. And notice what it says in verse 25. He said, so take courage, for I believe God, it will be just as he said. Oh, somebody, everybody in this room, we need a pastor, a pastor who will come along beside us in in storms and say, hey, I got a feeling everything's gonna be all right. Amen. And then finally, here's, here's, here's another friend we need. We need, every one of us needs a partner. And I'm talking about a partner with which to do ministry. A partner with which together, as a team, we can serve the Lord. This vision of 32,689 people within a 10 mile radius of our church being born again for the glory of God. I can't do it all myself I need some partners I need some other light bearers that will help me to eliminate the darkness in this community the Apostle Paul understood that he understood I can't do this by myself and and he even mentioned Epaphroditus again, and some of the other guys in his life, and here's what he referred to them as. He says, They're my true brothers, they're my co workers, they're my fellow soldiers. We all need partners. I thank God for my partner in ministry down here on this front row. I thank God for my wife that ever since the day that we've met, And from the day that we've got married, God has allowed us to serve together in the kingdom of God. And we've accomplished so much more together, working together, than we could have ever accomplished working against each other. And we're moving in the same direction. I don't remember where I read it, but I I read somewhere where that one draft horse has the power to move two tons of weight. One draft horse. Now, you would think that if you were to harness that draft horse with another draft horse so that they could work together as a team, now you've, got two, now you've got four tons that they can pull. But no. Two draft horses that are harnessed together and working together as a team don't move four tons. They move 23 tons of weight. That's why the Bible says one can put a 1,000 to flight, but two can put 10,000. To flight. That's why the Bible says that every one of us needs those kinds of people in our life so that when we fall, we have somebody there to help us get back up. Pity the man who falls and has nobody to help them back up again. We need partners in ministry. We need people with whom we are working together as a team to accomplish the purpose and the plan and the vision that God has given us because we cannot do it alone. Somebody say amen to that. So we partner with God and we partner with other people. And I am so excited this morning to share with you that we are adding a host more of partners to the family here at Summerton Church of God. People who have been through growth track, people who have heard the mission and the vision of our church, people who have already discovered what their spiritual gifts are. And get this the majority of these that are joining our church this morning, they are already plugged in and partnering with us to fulfill the vision to transform this community for the glory of God, to eliminate the darkness by being light. Can we just give God praise? For the growing family at Summiton, For the partners that he's giving us to do ministry. And I'm going to ask those that are joining with us today, those that have been contacted, those that have completed growth track, those that have been baptized, I want you to stand and I want you to come and join me here on the stage. Matt and Amanda Combs. My brother, they're out of town today. I told him I was going to bop him in the face when he got back. But my brother, listen to me, this is the first time in my life I've ever had the opportunity to be my brother's pastor and to be in worship with my brother or a member of my family like that. My brother, what an honor it is. But he and his wife, Rhonda, Ruby Ergel, Ruby Ergel, Nick and Hope Mosley, if you'll come, all of you, just come stand up here on the stage. You gotta get up here where people can see you. Go ahead and, and just play some stuff for me there, Tanya. Larry and Lisa Harris. Justin and Haley Harbin, Matt and Sadie Harris, Ken and Bertha Odom, Laura Gilbert. And if I did not call your name, it's because it wasn't on the list that was given to me, but that doesn't have to stop you from coming forward this morning and making the commitment to be a partner with us. See, I like that word partner better than like membership. Membership sounds too country clubbish. We're not building a country club at Summerton. We're building a ministry. Amen. A ministry. This is a base where we just come together to be trained and receive our orders and then we go. And we fulfill the vision that God has put in our heart. Wow. I believe I could take just this group right here and plant a church. And change the world what incredible people the Lord continues to send us and to give a passion a like passion that we have to see our community changed for the glory of God I'm gonna ask you to stand all over the sanctuary this morning I'm gonna ask members of the deacons board and your spouses if you are here And any of our elders and your spouses that are here this morning, I'm going to ask you if you would to come and join me up here on the stage. And I want you just to come and gather in behind these. Amen. My deacons and your spouses, yes, and other members of the staff, would you come forward? Amen. Brian, if you could just come and just lead us in some worship as these are coming and getting into place today because we're going to pray over them we're going to anoint them and I'm going to come down here and I'm going to is there yes here's what I'm looking for amen God is so good I know that some of you have been attending for quite some time but at this point the Lord has Put it in your heart to take that next step. It's, uh, I've often said that partnership or membership, it's the difference between living together and getting married. And so what's happening today is they're getting married to the vision and the mission of Summiton Church of God. And as a part of, Our membership covenant, here's what they have agreed to, and this is what we all agree to do as partners here at Summiton Church of God. Number one, we say we're going to protect the unity of our church. Listen, God's doing an incredible thing here. We're all getting on the same page, and we're all headed in the right direction, and we will not tolerate anything messing with the unity of this house. Amen? No, sir. No, sir. So they are saying and joining as partners, they're saying we are going to protect the unity of our church. We're going to be engaged in the Sunday worship experiences. We're going to get active in a small group or an equipped class. We're going to serve the ministry of our church and that we're going to financially support our church so that we can truly see God's vision come to pass. So I want you to stretch your hand in this direction and I'm going to anoint and lay my hand on each one You guys just reach up and lay your hands on them today father we thank you for these precious men and women of god these men and women of passion lord that they want to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and lord i thank you that you have saw fit to bless us with their gifts with their talents, with their abilities, with their wisdom, with their experiences, Lord. We just thank you, God. And Lord, I know that you have a specific place for them in this body. That once they get connected to it, that this body is going to be more healthy and this body is going to be more whole, hallelujah, (laughs) and that this body is going to be more effective in this community for your glory, Lord. Lord, I just can't thank you and praise you enough for the work that you are doing and through whom you're doing it here today, God. Now, Lord, I pray for a fresh anointing to come upon each and every one of them right now in Jesus' name. A fresh anointing, God, to do what you have called them to do, what you have equipped them to do and to be God. That's what we want to do, Father. We want to disciple them and help them to be who God has called them to be, and to fulfill the call that you've placed upon their life, the purpose that you've placed upon their lives, and Lord, I anoint Cooper today in Jesus' name. He brings so much joy to our lives, Lord, he always makes me smile. He's one of those affirmers in my life, Lord, and I thank you for him, God, I pray a special touch on him today in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on now, let's one more time give God some glory and praise.